Turn with me this morning to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. I feel a little bit like we're going back to Sunday school this morning, but, uh, you know, that's going to be okay. I believe God wants to speak to us this morning. I'm excited about all that God is doing. I'm excited that Bishop is going to be with us on Wednesday. And uh, you do not want to miss what God is going to do today, but also on Wednesday. And uh, he called me the other day, and when I answered the phone, his greeting was unusual and peculiar, and uh, which we like to have a lot of fun. But uh, it was just a couple of minutes into the conversation, I realized he was being serious and he really wanted to know some things about what I believe and what I teach. And uh, so Bishop's coming to be Bishop. And we're excited about that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to next Sunday and revival beginning with Brother and Sister Hopkins. And uh, we are going to have Super Church Sunday morning and then begin revival well we're beginning revival Sunday morning isn't it beautiful how these kids are just I mean God is moving in the lives of our Sunday school children and uh, you know I was not being facetious during worship when I told you that you have the ability to help create the atmosphere so God can do in their lives now at their young and tender ages what he's already done in your life. And we're thankful for what God's done in our lives. We're thankful for what God's done in, in our lives. And we know that God is a restorer of the years, a restorer of the times. And uh, But I believe that God can work in their lives now. And he can set their course even now. In Jesus' name. Genesis chapter 37 and verse 28 says, Then there passed by Midianites, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Verse 31, And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats. That means they killed a small goat. They did not kill a child who was with the goats. And dipped the coat in the blood. I'm just making sure you're paying attention this morning. You get some blood flowing. Get some blood flowing to that face. Make sure that, that you're alive and that you're happy to be in the house of God today. They sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. And know now whether it is your son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Verse 35, and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. 
And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Verse 36, and the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. I'm going to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Ghost about the illusion of brokenness. The illusion of brokenness. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray this morning. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we magnify your name. We pray, God, that your will would be accomplished in this place this morning. God, we want you to move in every heart and every mind and in every life. God, I want you to move in my heart and my mind and in my life today. I want you to move in my family today as well as every family that is represented under the sound of my voice and every family that is in my city, every family that is within the circle of my influence, God. And I pray, Lord, that you would do your work, that your angels would minister in our community today, God, that you would move in and out of every home, God, that you would draw men and women, young people and children to your house and to your purpose, to your kingdom. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would work with you and that you would work with us, God, to see your great plan and your great glory fulfilled in the earth today. In Jesus' name we pray. Why don't you shout amen this morning? Oh, that sounded good. Let's do it again. Amen. You can be seated. The illusion of brokenness. I want to take some time this morning. You heard me talk about it several weeks ago, about how attending Sunday school as a child is a blessing, and I understand that not everybody in this building was privileged enough or privileged, rather, to uh, experience Sunday school. And so I don't want to preach today assuming that you know the story of Joseph. So bear with me a few moments, and we will, we will lay a, a very quick foundation upon which we can build. We find in the book of Genesis there is a man by the name of Jacob who is the grandson of Abraham, and We're not going to spend time today talking about Abraham. We've preached about Abraham. We know about Abraham. Uh, But he had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And from Jacob there are 12 sons produced who would eventually become 12 tribes of Israel. And he has a son with his wife, Rachel, And that son's name is Joseph. And Joseph apparently has a desire, uh, a greater desire perhaps than his brethren do to know and experience the God of his father. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joseph wanted that to be his God. And we see from very early in Scripture that the hand of God is upon Joseph. That God is very interested in Joseph, and I believe that God is interested in all of the brethren, but Joseph has a desire, and so God begins to speak to Joseph in dreams, and he has two dreams that he shares with his brothers and with his parents, and needless to say, they're not very happy with Joseph's dream. Uh, Joseph's dream includes things like 
sheaves of wheat bowing down to his sheaf. And sun and the moon and the stars bowing down to Joseph and to the point where even Jacob, his father who loves him very much, says, Are you, do you mean to tell me that even your mother and I are going to bow down before you? And he said, well, I'm just sharing my dreams with you. And, and we could spend a lot of time preaching about sharing dreams with the right crowd. And, and not every, but we're not, we're moving, we're moving forward today. And so, needless to say, there is, there is a certain amount of animosity between Joseph and his brethren because they're not going to bow down. Who are you? You're just our little brother, and you're telling us that we're going to bow down to you and that we're going to worship you and we're going to serve you. Uh, that, first of all, doesn't jive with our own agendas. That doesn't coincide with what we see for our lives, but also you're not God, so we're not going to bow down and worship you. And, and really what God was doing is that God was showing Joseph into the future things that were going to happen. Well, uh, his brethren don't like that, and they really don't like it when their dad gives Joseph a special coat that is very costly. It's very expensive. It's a very very beautiful coat. Uh, it's a coat that draws attention. It's made of many colors. It's it's not something that that one would typically wear when they are out in the field with the flocks. And so, uh, another thing added to the pile that that causes Joseph's brethren to not like him. And one day they are out in the field and, <clears throat> excuse me, they are tending their father's flock and Jacob comes and he calls for Joseph and he said, I want you to go check on your brothers. And so Joseph, being the obedient son that he is, begins his journey to find his brethren and his father's flock to check on them, make sure they're doing okay, ask if they need anything from the house so on and so forth. And through the process of time, one of the brethren spot him and brings word back to the rest of the group and says, hey, we see the dreamer. The dreamer is coming. And they begin to plot and they begin to plan and they begin to think, you know, uh, he is not within the protection of daddy today. Why don't we... Get rid of Joseph today. And why don't we end his life today? And Reuben, the eldest brother, begins to, to have doubts and, <clears throat> excuse me, begins to voice those doubts. And he said, you know, we, we're not, we shouldn't kill him. We should just, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to be murderers. And so why don't we, there's this empty well here. There's a dry well. Why don't we just throw him down in the well and he'll just die on his own and we didn't necessarily kill him. We just didn't put him in the best of circumstances and nature will just take care of him. And, and the Bible makes it plain that Reuben intended to go back and to pull Joseph out and to save Joseph's life. Uh, and so here comes Joseph. They they attack him, they beat him up, they, they strip him of his, his uh, gifted coat that his father had given him and throw him down into the well and they take uh, one of the kid goats and they slay the goat and they cover 
his coat in blood, and they intend to present the coat to their father, telling him that, well, exactly what they told him. And so we don't quite know what happens, but Reuben has to go. Perhaps he's going to check on another area of the flock. And while he is gone, his brethren see a caravan coming down the road. And these are traveling people. These are folks who buy and sell. They are merchant men. And when his brethren see them, they say, you know what? This is a perfect opportunity to get him out of our hair. And so unbeknownst to Reuben, they lift Joseph out. They sell him to this caravan of Midianites and Ishmaelites. And away Joseph goes. They sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And they take his coat and they dip it in blood. And they send the coat and they bring it to their father. And there's so much that could be preached here, but we're, we're moving quickly today. They tell him, hey, we found this. Can you tell us whether or not this is Joseph's? They don't come out and say, we killed him. They don't come out and say, we sold him. They just allow Jacob to come to his own conclusions. And when he sees it, he knows it, and he knows that it's his son's coat, and he automatically assumes there's an evil beast that has devoured my son. Joseph is without a doubt rent into pieces, and and they know that he's not rent into pieces. They just let him think that he is. It is a sin of deception. It is a sin of omission. They have, it's a lie of omission. They have omitted the truth. They don't, they could have said, well, dad, he's not dead. We just got tired of hearing him run his mouth and we sold him. But they let him come to this conclusion that he is dead and that surely he is rent in pieces and they appease their own conscience by, 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 well, I didn't quite lie to him. And Jacob rends his clothes, he tears his clothes, he puts on sackcloth and ashes upon his head and he mourns for his son many days. And, and when the normal period of mourning is over, his sons and his daughters come to him and they, they try to console him, Dad, would you please just, would you eat something? Would you please just change your clothes and wash your face? And the Bible tells us that he refuses to be comforted. He refuses to be consoled. And he said, I'm going to go down into my grave mourning my son. And his father wept for him. It's like Joseph, I'm sorry, it's like Jacob hears the words of his sons. He hears their lies and he sees the coat of his son Joseph and he becomes inconsolable. He refuses to hear their comforting words and he attempts uh, any attempts to calm him down are, are, are landed on deaf ears and there's nothing that they can do to tell him otherwise. There's nothing that they can do to pull him out of his brokenness. There's nothing that they can do to pull him out of his grief. There's nothing that they can do. Uh, the truth would have helped, but they weren't willing to, to, to go that route. But but. Uh, We see later on in Scripture that he spent years and years and years of his life in brokenness. 
Because in that moment, as he holds the coat, and he holds in his hand broken dreams, the 11 sons that he has, he loves, Nothing is going to take the place of what's been broken. His daughters, nothing is going to take the place of what's been lost. And so Jacob lives his life. Jacob lives for many years in grief and in mourning. And we could spend a lot of time preaching and teaching today about the family of Jacob and the family dynamics and so on and so forth. But but I want to emphasize to you today that Jacob is trapped in a cycle of brokenness. And what was done was wrong, and what was done was cruel, and what was done was sinful, and what was done should not have been done. Should not have been done. But Jacob becomes blinded by the brokenness. And many years down the road, as his sons grow and they have families of their own, and, 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 and he, he, is, he is seeing growth and he is seeing financial blessing, uh, we find that a famine is in the land. A famine occurs, and it is, it is fierce. It is horrible. They get hungry. And he said, you know, we've heard that there's corn We know that there's food in Egypt. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to send you boys. I'm going to send 11, I'm sorry, I'm going to send 10 of you to Egypt. I want you to go and I want you to get corn. I want you to get food for the family. And while they are in Egypt, they hear of a ruler that that Pharaoh has put into place, into position. And you're not going to go talk to Pharaoh about the corn. You're going to go talk to his right-hand man. And when this ruler sees them walk in the doors of whatever court he was in or whatever building he was in, he immediately recognizes that these are not Egyptians, but these men are Hebrews. And he calls for an interpreter. And this ruler is the same young man that they had thrown into a dry well. This young man that's standing before them in a position of power, only second to Pharaoh in the entire land of Egypt, has experienced brokenness on his own. Thrown into the well, sold for 20 pieces of silver. Scholars will tell you that Joseph is a type of Christ. He is 
Uh, he is a type of Christ. He was hated of his brethren. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver like Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. And through brokenness and through misunderstandings, uh, he is up and then he's down. He's got a word from God, but then he's thrown into Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife takes a liking to him and Joseph runs from the temptation and he finds himself again falsely accused and he finds himself thrown in prison. But instead of falling into the cycle of brokenness, Joseph holds on to a cycle of prayer. Joseph holds on to the word of God. I come to preach to you today that brokenness happens to every individual, but we got to choose what we're going to live in. Am I going to live in the brokenness or am I going to live in the word of God? Am I going to live in the cycle of craziness or am I going to hold on to the kingdom of God? Am I going to trust that God is on my side? I come to preach to you today that God is on your side. Illusion. An illusion is a misleading image presented to your optical receptors. Something that deceives or misleads intellectually. An illusion is a perception of something that objectively exists in such a way that causes misinterpretation. It doesn't really let you see its actual nature. A, a word synonymous with illusion is hallucination. And if we were to fast forward to Genesis chapter 44, we would see that Jacob's sons have made a second trip. On their first trip, they receive, they receive the, the food that they need. But the ruler who they don't know yet is Joseph tells them, if you're going to get any more food from me, I need proof that your youngest brother is alive. I need proof. He doesn't tell them this, but he needs proof that they haven't done to Benjamin what they did to him. In other words, I need proof that you've changed. I need proof that your father is alive. He never unveils who he is. And he said, for assurance's sake, I'm keeping Simeon imprisoned. And so 10 went to Egypt and nine return and they they go through their bags and they find that the money that they had tried to pay is left in their sacks and they're scared rightfully so they're afraid they feel the sin that they committed to Joseph breathing down the back of their necks but now the, the corn, the food that they bought, is running out. The famine is still in the land. Dad, if our kids are going to survive, we've got to go back to Egypt. We've got to go back. And Jacob said, you're not going back like he asked you to go. 
Well, Dad, he, asked, he told us that if, if we are going to get food and if, if Simeon is going to be released, then we have to take Benjamin. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. You're not, you're not taking him. You're not taking him with you. We cannot go down in Genesis 44 and verse 26. We cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. If our youngest brother be with us, then we'll go down. Because we can't even see the man's face, except Benjamin is with us. This is Judah speaking to his father. He said, and thy servant, my father, said unto us, ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, surely he's torn in pieces. Years later, decades later, Jacob is still living under the illusion that was presented to him. Under the assumption that Jacob has lost his son, Joseph, by being torn into pieces. And here in verse 28, he's still living under the illusion that what I had has been lost. That there's no way I can ever get him back. There's no way that I can ever uh, see his face again because that is what was presented to him. I've come to preach to us this morning that there are some things that have been presented to you that are simply not true. I come to tell you today, I've come to let you know that you do not have to continue to live under the influence of the illusion of brokenness. Jacob has lived with this illusion of brokenness for more than 20 years. This idea that Joseph has been shredded into pieces. This idea, this this presentation that Joseph is dead. That he died a cruel and horrible death. That he died a death filled with fear and torment. That a wild beast had gotten a hold of him. Imagine, it was not a quick death that he had believed. It was not a, a death that was seemly. It was not a death uh, fit for someone of his stature and his position that his son had come to such a violent end. It was such a violent end for such a beautiful spirit. God, I thought the hand of God was upon him. God, I really thought that you had a special a special mission for my son. I really thought this and I really thought that. And now we find that Joseph's brothers have been broken before him. You got to understand, if we go back without Benjamin, daddy's going to die. If we come back from Egypt and Ben has been lost along the way, we're going to be we're going to be in hot water. Daddy's not going to make it. Daddy's heart is going to fail. I come to preach to you today. The brokenness can end today. I want to preach to you today that you don't have to leave these doors. You don't have to leave this sanctuary today with that thought still in your mind that what I had has just been lost and now I'm worth nothing and now I have nothing to offer. Now I've got nothing that God can use. I want to tell you today that you don't have to buy into the plan that the enemy has sold you. You don't have to buy into the lie that Satan has sold you. go back without Benjamin. Dad's going to die. It's to such a degree that Judah said, Dad, 
if we come back without Benjamin, you can take my life. My life for his life. It's the, an illusion of brokenness that has been instilled into this family. To be broken is to be violently separated into parts. The life that he had built, the dreams that he had, were shattered. Into tiny little pieces. This is the plan that we had, but it's been damaged, it's been altered. It's been broken. It has undergone or been subjected to fracture. It's not working properly. It's been violated by transgression. It's the illusion of brokenness that was still speaking into the mind of a father. saying once you've been broken, you'll always and only ever be broken. It's the lie that says, Jacob, You might as well not even try to move on. It's the picture that's been painted that your life is over and you're just a living dead. Job knew the feeling. Job 16 verse 11 God hath delivered me to the ungodly and turned me over into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease but he's broken me asunder. He's taken me about by my neck. He's shaken me to pieces. He's set me up for his mark. His archers can pass me round about. It's beautifully horrid poetry. His archers can pass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. He breaketh me with breach upon breach. One blow wasn't enough, but there's another and another and another and another. He runneth upon me like a giant. I've sewed sackcloth upon my skin and defiled my horn in the dust. My face is foul with weeping and and on my eyelids is the shadow of death. All I can do is cry. I cry day and night. My face is foul with it. Not for injustice in my hands. Also my prayer is pure. I haven't done anything wrong, but here I am. I'm still praying. I'm still trying. I'm still pushing. I'm still coming to church. And I'll come to tell you, you just keep coming to church. And you keep on praying. And you keep lifting up your hands. And you keep lifting up your voice. Even Job's friends took part in the brokenness. In Job 19 and verses 2 and 3. 
2 and 3, how long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? These 10 times have you reproached me. You're not ashamed that you make yourself strange to me. The psalmist would go on and speak uh, speak of the enemy of God's people who are active in the breaking asunder of the people of God. In Psalm 94 and verse 8, understand ye brutish among the people and ye fools, when will you be wise? He that planted the ear shall not he hear? He that formed the eye shall he not see? Lord, in verse 3, he had said, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? He said, I've been broken, and I'm living with this image that this is only the way that it's going to be. How, how long, God, how long they break in pieces your people, O Lord. They have afflicted your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. God, how long, how long, how long? And the psalmist is saying, God, I've experienced brokenness, but I don't want to live here. I don't want to die here. I don't want this to be the end. But the enemy of your soul would like nothing more than for you to get caught up in the illusion of brokenness. The illusion that you'll always be a failure. The illusion that you're always going to struggle. The illusion that even God is turning his back against you. But it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It says you'll always and only be broken. But I've come today with a message from God. Spoken through a man that we call the weeping prophet. who wrote not one but two of the literary prophecies we see in our Bible. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, who also wrote Lamentations, a book of lamenting. But God spoke to this prophet of brokenness. And he said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. You got a hope. You've got a future. But God, when I delivered your word, they smacked me in the face. They literally punched him in the face. They threw me in prison. But I've got thoughts that I think toward you, and they're thoughts of good and not of evil. Don't you get caught up in the illusion of brokenness. Don't get caught up in the hallucination that you're only and ever going to be broken. No, sir. No, ma'am. But you hear the word of the Lord today. The enemy of your soul does not want you to see the hope that you have in God. But I come to let you know today that God is not finished with you. The same psalmist that asks, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things and all the workers of iniquity boast themselves? They break in pieces your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger. The same psalmist who wrote those words 
also penned Psalm 94 in the very same chapter. In verse 12, we hear a change in the language. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of your law that you may give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance, but judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. I want to tell you today, this morning, on this last Sunday of September, that if you're feeling maybe even perhaps the correction of God in your brokenness, that God is trying to help you become. And you can take heart and you can be encouraged because God believes in you. It's recorded in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 27. It says, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. I come to let you know today that you're still on God's radar. And I don't care how broken it feels right now. God still knows where you are. And God still has a plan for your life. God is in love with you. He's crazy about you. Coming to a close very quickly. Genesis 45. The brethren of Joseph have come back. They've brought Benjamin with them. They've sold, I'm sorry, they've not sold, they've bought more food. Joseph has released Simeon. They're on their way back to their father. All 11 of them, they stop at the end of the day at an inn, at a hotel. And they're all grabbing their sacks of food because it's a very valuable commodity. They don't want to leave it in the barn. They don't want to leave it hitched at the hitching post. So they're grabbing their food and they hear some metallic noises. And they open up the mouth of those food sacks and they see all of their money is in the top of their food sacks. And they're going down the line and they're all opening their food sacks. And Benjamin, the youngest, opens his. And not only is his money still in there, the goblet of that ruler who's second in command is in the sack. That was symbolic of the power of that ruler, the prized possession. And the blood drains from their faces. And about that time, they hear horses' hooves pounding down the road. And they look up and they see a contingent of Egyptian guards and I think their knees started knocking together. And their hands start tingling. 
And they are dragged back to Egypt. And they're standing before this man that they don't know is their hated brother. And he begins railing on them through his interpreter. And he says something along the lines of whoever it is that whose, whose sack, whose bag was found, the chalice, he's going to die. And he hears them start screaming. Anybody but Benjamin. Anybody but Benjamin. You don't understand how special Benjamin is. If you take him, our dad will die. You can't please. And Judah lunges out of the, the, the lineup and he falls on, on Joseph's feet and the guards pull their swords and they're ready. And Joseph's he said, everybody get out of this room. Sends everybody out. He sends his servants out. And now they're quaking. Now they, they don't understand what's going on. Maybe he's just going to have the pleasure of killing us himself. Genesis 45 and verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard him. Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm Joseph. Up to this point, he'd been speaking to them through a Hebrew interpreter. He'd been speaking the, the dialect of the Egyptians. And now they hear him speaking in his native tongue. I'm Joseph. Does my father yet live? And I believe in that moment, the images of those dreams of his brethren bowing down to him are flashing through his mind and they're also flashing through the minds of his brethren whose faces are toward the floor and they're on their hands and their knees and they're bowing down. And all of a sudden, the illusion of brokenness begins to crumble. Is my dad still alive? His brethren couldn't answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brethren, or your brother rather, whom you sold into Egypt. Don't be grieved. Don't be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. I know that you might have meant it for evil, but God still had a plan. I come to preach to somebody today. Your brokenness does not mean that God is not in control. 
the illusion of brokenness would only let him see his father at the time that he was torn in pieces and it was useless to go find any remains because surely it was a violent death the illusion of brokenness said not to let Benjamin out of his sight because something could happen to him as well but the God of truth says there are people who will need to be preserved during a famine you must rise above the illusion you must rise above the hallucination you must rise above the disenchantment you must rise above the brokenness I know hell has beat you over the head and beat you frontwards and backwards and you feel like they've surrounded you and you feel like the archers have pierced you with their arrows and you felt like there's no way out and there's no way that you're ever going to make it beyond your current struggles. Musicians can come. I know that some of you walked in today and your hopes and your dreams are laying around your feet in shards of brokenness. And you're not sure how it could ever work out. And so you're just going through life. Trying to be sensitive this morning. The illusion of brokenness says you just got to self-medicate. Nobody else could ever help you. It's been going on so long that God can't even help you. But let me just tell you today that if you're going to move beyond the illusion of brokenness, you got to let the brokenness go. The fact of the matter is that if you keep holding on to the pieces of the brokenness, they're cutting into your hand and you got blood dripping out of your hands, but you can't let go of the brokenness. But I'm telling you, the brokenness is killing you. The brokenness is suffocating you. The brokenness is bleeding you out. You've got to let go of the brokenness. Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison, not to those who are free, See, it doesn't mean the same thing. To you standing in here today, so what if I said, hey, God's going to open your prison doors. Dude, I'm, I don't have. Not in prison. Doesn't quite mean the same. if you had been preaching in that Philippian jail in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas were being held in the innermost part of the prison in shackles and in chains and stocks and in bonds sitting in the filth and the muck and the mire in the darkness they began to sing and give God praise in the midnight hour that jail began to shake 
and the chains fell off and the prison doors were open. The opening of the prison to those who are bound felt a whole lot different. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. But the illusion of brokenness said, no, you got to live in sackcloth and ashes. You're going to live in grief and in mourning the rest of your life. But when you come into the kingdom of God, God said, if you'll trade your ashes, I'll give you beauty. The oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified, and they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. God's bigger than the lie that says my mom and dad were this way, so I have to be this way. He's bigger than the lie that says I came from a broken home, so my home has to be broken. He's bigger than all of that. He's bigger. of brokenness that says it's just going to be this way until I die. And imagine with me sitting in the tent of Jacob who was called Israel. looking up and seeing a caravan of wagons rolling under the standard or the flag of Egypt. And hearing the words, Joseph's alive. eyes on the sun that he thought had been torn into pieces. The brokenness doesn't have to continue. I wonder if you would stand with me this morning. I wonder if you would believe this, not because it's my words. I mean, I'd like for you to believe it because it's my words, but it's not just my words. This is the Word of God. And the Word of God to you today is it does not have to continue being broken. It does not have to continue in the cycle that you've been so used to for so long. I understand that it might be all that you've ever known, but it doesn't have to be all that you'll ever know. It 
does not have to be all that you will ever know. I wonder today if you could make your way to this altar and if you would just lift your hands and say, God, I don't really see how it could ever work out, but I'm going to put my faith in you today. I'm going to put my trust in you today. Come on, that's it. I'm going to put my faith in you today, God. You can live beyond the brokenness. 